0: If you haven't worked out, if you're new here or you haven't been here regularly, this year we're focusing on practicing the ways of Jesus. And it might sound like a really broad topic, but each month we're, we're looking at a theme, something that Jesus paid particular attention to in his practices, in the things that he did And we've looked at a bunch of different things. We could spend years doing it, but we've just picked a bunch of topics that we believe that God wants us to focus on this year about what it means for us to practice the ways of Jesus. And this month, we've started, Nathan started last week looking at the topic of obedience. And Nathan looked at the idea of what surrender means in the perspective of obedience. And he mentioned that the world sees obedience in in opposition to freedom that often obedience and freedom seems like they're, they're heads, which isn't true. This week, we're going to look at obedience in relation to listening. I actually looked this week and the word obedience actually comes from the Latin word to listen. That's where obedience comes from. We've, we've shifted its meaning a little bit, but its original meaning was to listen, to pay attention. And I just want to reiterate that obedience often has a bad rap. Obedience often gets a a bit of a bad rap that it sort of comes across as, you know, listen to me or else or, or do as I told you. You know, there's that sort of that parent telling someone to do something and, and it's then associated with discipline and punishment and all things when, you know, the, the concept of obedience often comes with a bit of a heaviness. And there's a seriousness to obedience, but it's not always the heaviness that we attach to it. It's fascinating because anyone who's a parent would understand the challenge of this concept of listening and obedience. I remember one day Daniel would have been five or six, maybe a bit older, but we'll be nice and pretend that he was five or six. And he was running through the house and it was like, Daniel, don't run in the house. We don't run in the house running through the house. I think they were friends over or something. Running, running, running. Daniel, don't run in the house. I've told you before, don't run in the house. Listen to me. Don't run in the house. All of a sudden, he turns a corner and bang, smacks into the wall and comes in crying. First thing I want to say, told you so. <laughs> and, and the standard line in our house is we often don't, um, at that point, repeat what we've already said. We just ask a question. What do you think went wrong? What have I told you? What have I mentioned before? Just recall what, what the perspective might be here. And it's that look of, tell me not to run in the house. It's like, hmm, why do you think I said that? Because I might hurt myself? <laughs> it's like, yep, look what's happened. And so we have this idea of obedience being something that's someone lording power over someone else, and yet every parent knows that at the heart of obedience is this amazing sense of wanting the best for someone. Sometimes in spite of themselves, but wanting the best for someone. There's a passage in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 8, 5-6. to Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. Sometimes that's what people think is the full picture. Like a man disciplines his son. Be obedient and follow God's commandments. But what we actually forget is the very next verse. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Now this is a specific word for the Israelite people. Um, if you're looking at buying land, I wouldn't use this as a prophetic reference, but the concept is eternal. That there is really there is value, and there's significance and weight and discipline attached to obedience. And yet, at the heart of it, is because God is doing something good. He's doing something really good. Has anyone ever played a team sport? Anyone ever played a team sport? Yep, yep. I coached Daniel's basketball team for a number of years. And, um, and it was a very eye-opening experience. Um, I, I did enjoy it most of the time. I was very flexible and lenient if kids couldn't shoot goals. I was like, okay, that's fine. We can, we can work on that. And if, if they wore out towards the end of the game, that's okay. We'll work on stamina. That's fine. But the one thing I really struggled with as a coach is not listening. I was fairly tolerant with most things, but one of the things that I, sometimes not in a healthy way, but one of the things I got most frustrated with was not listening. Because everything else we can work on, but when they don't listen, anyone that's played a team sport knows it all falls apart. They're eager to win the game. They're eager to shoot goals and do well. But the minute they choose not to listen, the whole team just falls apart. And if you've played a team sport, I'm sure there's circumstances you know where you've had a team that just has not been on the same page, and the whole thing just crumbles. And so this idea of obedience, this idea of listening, is so attached to victory and outcome. The idea of obedience actually is necessary to win, in sport definitely. Nathan was sharing with me this morning that every quarter of his footy match yesterday... It wasn't all high fives and smiles. The coach was saying, Listen, listen, listen. You're not doing what I told you to do. He was irate. He was angry. Not because he hated them, because he saw their potential. And he was like, Guys, you've got to listen to the plan. Because if you don't know the plan, you ain't going to win. And I know you want to win. I know you're here to do your best and win. They got grilled because. The coach was saying, I really want you to listen if you want to win. There's a Bible verse that I think is quite, quite aspirational. Psalm 25, 4-5 says, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Beautiful, isn't it? I've got to admit, for myself, this is a little aspirational because it's not always my posture. It's not always my posture to be, to be hoping in the Lord all day long, to be, to be saying, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me. Sometimes the idea of listening is a bit of a foreign concept to us. We get the concept, we get the idea, but it's actually... Not something that we necessarily do very well. We often think of listening a little bit like a a buffet or a smorgasbord. It's the way our world operates. Is that you present me a whole bunch of ideas, you lay them out for me, and I'll I'll pick and choose what I like. There's a little bit of God here and a little bit of my friend there, and a little bit of social media here, and a little bit of what the news told me there, and I really love this speaker and this podcast, so I 'll take a bit of that, and we end up with this idea of that it 's a, it's a buffet, and at the end i 'm going to end up with a nice plate that I get to digest of what I listen to and what I respond to that 's not what this verse is saying it 's not a buffet it's a very different model than what our world says But I want to take a slight detour and ask you a question of how much listening of other opinions do you do in a week? How much listening of ideas that aren't God's ideas, aren't God's ways, do you do in a week? This is some research pre-COVID of Australians. Pre-COVID in January 2020, Australians on average spent five hours and 41 minutes on the internet every day, average. They spent an hour and 44 minutes using social media, three hours and 15 minutes watching television, that includes digital streaming services, an hour and eight minutes listening to music, and 50 minutes using a game console. And if you go, I don't believe it. There's many studies out there that repeat the same thing. I looked at a Deloitte one that actually analysed through COVID and it said the only thing that went down that didn't go up in COVID was what area? Not one of these ones, but more specifically, sport. Watching sport went down slightly, ever so slightly, all the rest went through the roof, hours more. This is... What we do with our days, this is how we spend our lives. Listening. We we do lots of listening, but what is it that we're actually listening to? What are we actually that we're we're, we're listening to? What is it that we feed ourselves with? You might go. Come on, it's just a bit of entertainment. It's just a bit of just a bit of fun. I want to tell you a story that I heard not that long ago, and some of you know it. Because every little piece of media, every little piece of content that you consume actually represents a worldview. It represents something. It's never nothing. It's always something. And maybe it's a good worldview, maybe it's a good concept, but maybe it's not too. And we keep absorbing these things. In the 20s, it was unfashionable for women to smoke. Smoking for women was not a fashionable thing to do. It was very looked down upon. That wasn't really appealing to the cigarette companies. And so a company called Lucky Strike in the US decided to employ a guy. His name was Edward Bernays. Now, he was an early pioneer of the marketing world and happened to be the nephew of Sigmund Freud, the neurologist, who most of his ideas have been debunked since um, Sigmund Freud, but thinking about how the brain works. And so Lucky Strike went to Edward and said, we want women to smoke. And you go, well, maybe they just need to start a marketing campaign. But Edward was a little smarter than that. He said, leave it with me. And what he did was a campaign that they called Tortures of Freedom. He didn't advertise. He did eventually, but initially he didn't advertise. What he did was he decided to say, women's rights is becoming an issue. Women are wanting more freedom. Like There's, there's rallies and there's liberation movements going on. And so at Easter one year, when there were parades and rallies for women's rights, liberations, he employed good-looking women to march at the front of the parade smoking cigarettes. Yeah, that's pretty clever. But it wasn't about that, it was about the photographs that ended up in the newspapers. Because all of a sudden, when anyone thought, yes, women deserve freedom, Yes, women deserve rights. Yes, women have been oppressed. And yes, women should be smoking because that's what all the people on the front line, the good-looking, aspirational people on the front line, women's liberation, were doing because they were planted there to do that, to give a different message. Worked brilliantly. It actually worked brilliantly. And it's going on and on every day right now. The exact same thing is happening constantly. Catherine actually said to me the other day, why why do people smoke still when we get taught at school how bad it is? And it's like, oh, well, there's some people that are addicted and you know, it's really hard to quit and stuff. Guess what percentage of Australians between 18 and 24 smoke at the moment? One in 10, 10%. These are people that didn't, I would suggest, walk into a shop and go, you know what? Maybe I'm going to take up smoking. They had culture influence them. They had peers. They had media. They had, you know, I don't know about you, but smoking on television is still seen as the cool people, the tough people. Um, in movies. It's not the, the, the dingy bad person that just smokes. There's still cool people that smoke. You're like, where did that message come from? The idea of media not actually representing God's way is really significant. And the noise is not passive. I know that's a little bit of a detour, but what I'm asking today is a question of what are you listening to? What do you listen to? Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, only then, will you be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And I want to get back to the aim because the aim is God's good, pleasing and perfect will. I don't want to end up in this space of obedience being an oppressive thing we're after God's good pleasing and perfect will yeah is that desirable is that something worth hungry and thirsting after absolutely how do we get it what's Paul saying is one of the answers to 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 knowing and understanding and walking in God's good pleasing and perfect will It says renew your mind Don't conform to the patterns of the world, but renew your mind. That's what listening looks like. It's not about punishment and hardship. It's about God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. So how do we get God's good, pleasing, and perfect will? We listen. We listen. We listen. We listen. If you're not listening, you won't know or experience or walk in God's good, pleasing and perfect will. You've got to listen. In fact, as leaders in this church, we take this so seriously that at the start of each year, we set aside a week for each of us, Tanya, Nathan and I, just to listen. Now, it's not the only time we listen, but... We say it's, it's worth us stepping away from our normal routines and our normal expectations and business just to listen. I actually happen to have that privilege tomorrow for the next week. Um, Nathan did that a couple of months ago and Tan will do it later. But for us, we go, the idea of listening is so significant We don't want it to slip away. If you're like me and your hearing's not perfect, then you've got to get rid of the noise to be able to listen. And I realise there's younger people here that have better hearing than I do. But when there's lots of background noise, I cannot hear a thing. When When it's a noisy environment, when there's multiple people talking... I gotta read lips because that's all I got left. Because I cannot hear in the noise. And often we live in an environment in a world where there's so much noise. There is lots of noise and different opinions and different ideas and different worldviews. That if we don't consciously and deliberately say, God, I want to listen, we don't get to experience his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You gotta have space and time to listen. There's a beautiful example of this in Scripture that I want to finish with. If you've got a Bible, grab Matthew 16. Matthew 16, and we're going to read from verse 13 to 19. This is cool. This is exciting stuff. The opportunity to listen, which... We can all do. We all have capacity to do. And it's like, yeah, check out what listening looks like. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? So we're, we're going to find out what the noise looks like in the scene, yeah? What's, what's happening in the area? What are people saying? And they said, some, some say... John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Like, awesome. This is what's on the grapevine. This is what people are saying, who Jesus is. He then said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who are you going to listen to? And this is what Simon Peter replied. You are the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Blessed. Blessed. It's a bit of a religious word. But it's favoured. It's happy. it's full, Simon, you are blessed because this was not one of the popular noises that you heard on the streets, but this is what you heard from the Father. This this has not been revealed to you, but my Father who is in heaven. But he goes on to say, And I tell you, this is Peter, the listener, right? Peter, who has just acknowledged what he's been listening from the Father. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. He names him Peter like a rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Peter has this response to what? Him listening. He listened and heard God say something about his good, pleasing and perfect will. Who Jesus was and Jesus says, Peter, you are blessed and guess what? Peter, the listener, you are going to experience some amazing things. Victory over hell. A church that's growing, keys to a kingdom. We don't often look at this in light of what Peter did but it started by Peter listening and it ended up with Jesus saying you listen to the simple thing and I'm going to give you lots more does it sound familiar does it sound like the way God operates I give you something simple and little and have a crack give it a go and then he says and now I've got more for you listening is actually a real privilege and a blessing, and an opportunity for us to experience God and his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's heaps of noise, but I want to ask again, what are you listening to? What is it that you're listening to? Because it's not a smorgasbord. There is an amazing chef that has an amazing meal prepared for you that's better than you can pick out of a smorgasbord than a buffet. And God's design, his will, his plan, is good, pleasing and perfect. And he really, really wants to encourage us to listen like a parent who wants the best for their kid. So we're going to actually pause and do that right now. It's going to be a bit awkward because we're actually not that good at stopping We'd like noise. We've got to have some noise going. So it might be a little bit awkward, but all I'm going to pray is, God, I pray you still our hearts that we might listen. And then trust the Spirit to do that for you. What are you going to hear? I don't know. Worst case scenario is we get to practice listening. Best case scenario is I'm convinced that God has stuff he wants to say. And if God has something to say, I so want to listen. I so want to be part of that because I know his will is good, pleasing and perfect. I want to pause to give him a chance to speak. Now, this is just the beginning. This isn't the end. I would encourage you to practice Listening, set time aside to listen, turn the devices off. If you really struggle in that space, start by reading Scripture and then stop and listen because he has already spoken. He's, he's able to speak to our hearts, but he has actually, it's, it's, a, it's a good starting place, it's a good reference point and he's still speaking through his word. Please don't. It's not just a backstop. This is, this is gold. But if you struggle to listen, just start reading the word and then pausing. Saying, God, I want to hear you. Let's do that now. Lord, we eagerly desire your good, pleasing and perfect will. And Lord, we're going to spend a few moments practicing listening. And Holy Spirit, I pray that where we struggle with this, that you will help us. We know you are gracious and kind. And you meet us where we're at. So Lord, thank you. We invite you to speak as we practice listening. I think one of the beautiful things about listening is sometimes God reveals things to us that he wants us to encourage others in. He reflects some of his good, pleasing and perfect will to us so that we might be able to share that with others. And it doesn't mean that they're not listening. It's just sometimes helpful to have reinforcements. Yeah. Sometimes they might not know how to listen and so we share things that they may, know, may not have heard. But other times it's actually just reinforcing what God's already doing. Listening is exciting. Obedience is not drudgery. It is coming and hearing and having the invitation to choose to partner with the Almighty God. Wow. You saw the little snapshot of what Peter did when he listened and understood who Jesus was. Jesus went, mate, Peter, look what's coming, brother. Look what's coming when you listen and respond. And we're in that same place. We have an amazing opportunity to listen and respond in obedience to such an amazing, great plan. If that few minutes of pausing and listening was stressful and hard, please don't give up. Please, please don't give up. Listening takes practice. We all let a little kid... They start life not knowing your voice, not knowing what words you mean. And we say, we'll give them, what, 5, 10, 15? Some people who have 15-year-olds still would say they don't know their parents' voice. But we'll give them time to learn to listen. And I think God is so gracious. If you struggle to listen, if you struggle to hear, he's not giving up on you and telling you that you're a waste of space saying, please keep trying, keep having a crack, keep having a go, get around people who listen, because listening is beautiful. Listening is so fruitful and rewarding and good. And it's something that's so part of how he designed us. Let's just pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for how you designed us. We thank you that you designed us beautifully. And part of your design is he gave us two ears and one mouth twice as much listening as talking lord god i thank you that by your spirit we are able to hear to able to listen to you lord we didn't deserve that but you gave it to us like an amazing christmas present and lord Today we rejoice in your design. Rejoice in the way that you have created us to know you and to hear your voice. To experience your love, your intimacy, and your good, pleasing, and perfect will. Lord, I pray for each of us in this room that you'll keep us working, trying, practicing, listening, Lord. Holy Spirit, for the days we forget, for the days we get distracted, for the days where we have more noise than we can cope with, pray you would help us to prioritize, to restructure and to to rearrange life so that listening is part of it, Lord God. Lord, I especially pray for those that do listen, that, Lord, that you would give us the boldness to be able to share what you're saying with others and to reflect your good, pleasing and perfect will. In Jesus' name, amen.